Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to another episode of the Umarpreneur podcast. I'm so excited today because I have with me brother Liam Spencer who is also known as Annotate. And Annotate, he's a poet, a writer, a screenwriter and a director. And recently one of the things that uh, I really, really love and admire, mashallah, that kind of stood out to me, well, I think it's not as recent for you, but essentially is when you did this entire poem on Muhammad Ali that I actually looked at and I thought that was really, really cool. MashaAllah, I loved your energy on stage. I loved, you know, how you kind of captured the audience in there. So I'm excited to talk to you, get to know more about pretty much what makes Liam Spencer annotate, how you came up with this kind of alter ego and what you're trying to do creatively. Welcome to the podcast, man. Alhamdulillah, it's a pleasure to be here. And I look forward to having this discussion with you and, you know, enlightening everybody on the background of annotate. Inshallah, definitely, man. That's uh, That's the goal here today. So if you can... Start at the beginning and share with me a little bit more about what even inspired you to start to pursue a more creative path versus the traditional kind of, you know, nine to five routine and really pursue something more artistic. Uh, to be fair, since I was a teenager, I've always loved creativity, a massive fan of film, uh, you know, the artistic nature of film, the writing process and so on and so forth. So when I was in school, I studied media and mm -hmm. um, I, fell in, I fell in love with it because of the, it gave me the opportunity to sort of pursue things that I had already been fond of anyway and gave me an opportunity to do that in a more, you know, a richer capacity. So when I left school, I decided to continue pursuing film into college and university and, and I ended up doing an, a degree in film and broadcast production. Um, so I've always been a creative, you know, at heart. I've always loved writing. I absolutely adore filmmaking and I love being a part of the process, whether it's behind the camera or in front of it. Um, you know, but I usually take on, like I said, the role of the director or the writer. Um, and I've always been fond of producing content that enables me to sort of get my creative juices flowing and, and you know, tell stories that I think are important or stories that maybe are, are not, not, you know, shun and like it's not shunning them enough, if you will. You know, mm. for lack of a better expression. So, um, yeah, thereafter, I became Muslim shortly after getting out of university. Um, things went a bit quiet on the film front because I was a little bit um, unsure of what was permissible and what wasn't. Obviously, when you become Muslim, you're kind of trying to navigate this new lifestyle. It's completely alien. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know who to listen to, so on and so forth. So everything was a bit crazy and chaotic to me at that time. So I stopped pursuing film for a while to kind of get on track with Islam. Uh, but after a few years, I started to miss all of that creative stuff. You know, you know, film was, like I said, a big part of my life. So even though I was still watching it here and there, it wasn't the same as when I was sort of pursuing it and trying to get a career in it and so on and so forth. Um, and by this time, I'd, I'd entered into the education field. Um, now, you know, education field is a beautiful place to be. You know, it's an opportunity to work with young people and to enrich their lives in some capacity and I think that's a blessing from Allah to do that but it was never my passion in truth it was never something I was passionate about it was some I've always been passionate about helping young people but just not in the education sector I've always wanted to do it from a more creative standpoint because I've always believed that that's where my expertise and my strengths lie is in helping young people to access their creativity and make the most of it and mm -hmm. so um I started looking at spoken word um in around 2015 
And I thought to myself, you know, this is another creative art that where people are expressing themselves. You had the likes of Muslim Bilal, Buna Muhammad, and uh, a few other artists. I even looked at, to be honest, I even looked at some of, you know, the artists that weren't necessarily Muslim that were doing their thing in the spoken word scene. And I was really impressed by, you know, the the sort of artistry and, and the, the eloquence behind their delivery and, and sort of the content, the things they were speaking about, how important these subject matters seem to be. And I thought, I want to do that. You know, I want to talk about some issues that I think need to be spoken about more often, things that are too often left unsaid. So I started writing. I started mm. writing and um, picked. Up, I think I picked up a pen in around late 2015. You know, obviously not literally. I always say that, but it's more like picking up my phone to type on. But I <laughs> um, started writing about things that were sort of bothering me um, as a Muslim, you know, things that I didn't really understand, like, you know, some of the racism in the community and some of the difficulties I'd had when I was seeking marriage at the time because I'd encountered some troublesome situations where I felt as though I was looked down upon, you know? Like I wasn't looked at as if as someone that was a, a worthy candidate for, for someone's daughter in marriage and you know, things like that when you when you first come to the Dean it's hard to swallow. it's a very bitter pill to swallow. You know what I mean? I've I'm, I'm not been Muslim more than two years and already I've encountered people basically t- turning me away because of my background. So I started writing about things like that, but unfortunately I feel like it wasn't really my passion that was sort of motivating me to do this. It was more of an, an emotional thing, you know? So hmm. due to that sort of emotional perspective, I don't think my work benefited. I feel like my content suffered. I feel like the work itself wasn't very good. You know, obviously everybody has their opinion and subjectively people at the time seem to enjoy it. But for me personally, I knew it wasn't where I wanted to be. So I stopped writing in around 2016 and, and, and like early 2016 for a couple of months and, and thought to myself, maybe, you know, I should just step away from this. Perhaps it's not for me. Maybe, maybe I should do something different. Uh, but I was on, I was on my way home one night from work. And I remember having some inspiration just come to me. And obviously it's a blessing and a gift from Allah. And I had this, literally all these words just, you know, flooding into my mind in poetry form about my brother and his, his gratitude. You know, he's got Down syndrome and autism. And I thought to myself, he's been through so much. He's been through more than most people can imagine. He's been through more than I can imagine. And he's never complained. Never never utters any word of complaint and I'm a Muslim and yet I complain all the time I thought I want to write about this I want to write about the beauty of gratitude and how it relates to my brother but also how we can take lessons from that gratitude that he shows without necessarily even having to express it verbally but just in his demeanor and his actions and educate people and and sort of you know remind myself in the process about this beautiful thing that is gratitude and after that, you know, the rest they say is history. I started writing more often. I started to find courage and strength in terms of my ability. I started challenging myself creatively. And from there, it was just a matter of, and still to this day, it's a matter of just trying to do the best I can with this ability I've been given by Allah mm-hmm. to, you know, perfect my craft as much as I can. I'm never complacent. I, I'm never completely satisfied. And you know, I don't believe it's a good thing for anyone creative to be completely satisfied because you become 
complacent. So sure. yeah, it's just about growing now. And I'm, I'm just excited with sort of new opportunities year in and year out, just being able to do new things. And obviously I'd got to do BT sport last year, which was amazing. And obviously we can touch on that a bit more, um, a little later on, but yeah, so that's kind of the journey. So yeah, that, so uh, definitely sounds like, you know, it's always difficult when you're kind of giving the background story on something because you're trying to keep a high level, but there's so many moments and so many emotions and so many kind of things that play into it. Uh, and it's hard to kind of, you know, kind of get to the heart of everything, but I'm going to try to touch upon certain things that you mentioned. One of those moments is it sounds like you, your brother actually had a big influence on you. So tell me about that specifically. And is your brother as well? Uh, is he revert as well? Or is he, is he still an almost something curious? Well, so first and foremost, in terms of inspiration, 100%, I think my brother was instrumental in keeping me in the poetry world, if you will, because I really did give up, you know, or quit. And I hate to use that term because I don't deem myself a quitter, but I had accepted that this is not for me. I'm not good at it. And, and I don't know if this is the direction I want to take. It wasn't until I had that inspiration from Allah to write that particular poem that I felt like, okay, wow, I can actually do this. I might actually be all right at this, you know what I mean? If I just put my mind to it and actually practice. Um, and I think that's some advice before I move on to, to your next part of the question is yeah. that I would give the audience is don't give up on something straight away if it doesn't go the way you want it to at first because the reality is it might just take a little bit of pushing through that initial barrier or that you know, whatever's initially holding you back. And once you're past that, you can go on to great things. You know what I mean? If if I had given up and stayed in that position all those years back and said, all right, cool, I'm not going to write again in 2016, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today and I certainly wouldn't have been on BT Sport. So that's just food for thought for everybody listening at home, inshallah. Regarding my brother, obviously, because he's got Down syndrome and autism, um, a combination of the two, he has quite a severe global developmental delay. So his mind develops a lot slower in terms of years um, than myself or yourself. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, from what I understand, inshallah, he, you know, his accountability will be different and it, it will be lifted from him, inshallah. inshallah. So in that yeah. sense, in that sense, I consider him a Muslim. You know, obviously he can't understand the deen. Like if I was to explain to him, you know, Tawheed and things of that nature, he, he wouldn't be able to understand it because he doesn't have the capacity mentally. But he has prayed with me. You know, I, I have him sometimes when I when I was living at home, I would tell him to say, inshallah, you know, so tell him to say, alhamdulillah, subhanallah. You know, just try to get these things in his mind so he's thinking about Allah. And, you know, he was also very... um instrumental in reminding me when I if I'd ever go through sort of like bouts of depression or bouts of sadness he would remind me to pray which I thought was a beautiful thing you know because here's this young man that's not necessarily praying himself he doesn't necessarily need to but he's reminding me you know of my obligation and that was just a tremendous blessing and something again indication of, of the mercy and and the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala SubhanAllah, yeah. And the reason why I asked, I'm, I'm sorry if it, if it came off in the wrong way. The reason why I actually asked was because I wanted to connect the fact that, you know, even even when you're in a situation like yourself where you are a revert, you are a revert yourself, what happens is sometimes people disconnect from their families at that point. And then it's kind of like they just kind of break that connection. Whereas for you, it sounds like, and th that's the reason why I asked that question is because I feel like you kept up your connection with your brother. And I you even made it into a sense where 
you were able to learn things from him and from that connection that you have with, with him, mashallah. And what I wanted to highlight was the fact that that connection doesn't necessarily need to be Muslim to Muslim. And that's the reason why I asked that question. I apologize if it came off the wrong way. Um, it was oh, really cool. kind of oh, cool. awesome, man. It was just kind of to highlight that, that really the fact that like that connection with family, number one, is important to maintain. And number two, that with that connection, we can learn from others. And sometimes even other people who might not be Muslims themselves can teach us sometimes values that we forget to embody as Muslims, like gratitude, which is what you were talking about, right? And like how to overcome adversity and how to kind of have that tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, so that was just a really beautiful thing to, to to hear from you and what I want to highlight. Alhamdulillah, bro. I agree entirely, man. You know, Obviously, I've, I've learned a lot of things from my mom who is a Muslim. You know, and I ask Allah to guide her to add Islam, but you know, there's certain characteristics that she displays that remind me of Islam. And sometimes, you know, it's useful and beneficial to me to see that and be like, okay, well, these are traits that as a Muslim I should uphold and I should be displaying on a daily basis. You know what I mean? So I definitely agree with you. Well, we can learn from everybody. Yeah, man. Can you talk to me more about your journey and in regards to coming to Islam and how you were introduced to it, how you became open to it, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So when I was at university um, in 2009, I started university. So quite a while ago now. <laughs> but um, I met a brother there. I met a brother. And um, this brother, he was, I, I want to say he was, he was overly religious, but he was someone that did like to bring up the topic of religion whenever he could, you know, and have, have debates with people and then sort of educate people where he could. And I found it, I found this impressive. I found it courageous. I found it very brave because I wasn't like that. You know, I, I believed in God obviously at the time, but I was, I was a very loose Christian, if you will. You know, I didn't really hold tight to the beliefs. I, I wasn't fond of the notion that Jesus was a son of God. I didn't believe that. I, you know, things of that nature. So for me, it was like, I'm I'm a Christian, but you know, I'm not really a practicing Christian. I believe in God. though. So I didn't really know much about my religion in terms of being able to educate people. So to see this brother, you know, like confident, speaking about his religion and, and happy to do so. And, you know, to be able to debate with people, that's something I never imagined, you know, going into debate with someone about religion. Ah, no way. I've never mm -hmm. done that. You know, so things like that really impressed me. And obviously from there he started talking to me about religion and started giving me subtle dawah, if you will. And the reason I call it subtle is because to his credit, may Allah bless him, he was very strategic about the way he spoke to me about Islam. He was never forceful. He never made me feel as though he was trying to shove his views, you know, on me. He was just very calm, relaxed, and he always looked for a sort of, you know, appropriate moment, if you will, to bring the religion in to bring that issue in to start speaking about faith so in 2000 i'd say in 2000 late 2009 early 2010 he started giving me the stalwa started educating me about islam and the first thing that really struck me and, and sort of took my heart if you will really tugged at my heartstrings in a good way was the two C's, the, the ayat in the Quran about the two C's being separated and, and, and not transgressing each other. I found this amazing. I, I thought this was an absolute unbelievable miracle. And not only did he show me the verse and allow me to listen to it in um, by Quran reciter, he also showed me a video which proved this, that that was evidence of this fact. And then explained to me, bro, this is 1400 plus years ago that this was revealed in the Quran. 
and there's proof of it today. And I remember just being gobsmacked because I'd never come across any sort of miracle like that before um, from a Christian perspective. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying obviously that there's miracles that they that don't exist because obviously we know there's there's miracles of Jesus and although we don't have the same beliefs as Christian, we know that Jesus did things that were miraculous. Um, so, but what this did for me is really sort of get me thinking about my faith and, and whether or not I, I had the right belief system, but I was scared, you know, and the reason I was scared is because I didn't know if exploring Islam would be a good idea for me because like you alluded to earlier on about sometimes families becoming separated and so on and so forth, this was a fear of mine, you know, this is something that I was worried about, you know, what if I look into Islam more deeply and I, I sort of decide I want to be a Muslim, how's that going to impact my family, how are they going to respond to this? So it took a while, you know, he was giving me dowry in 2010, 2011, 2012, you know, he was literally every year he's giving me dowry throughout the year. And every year I felt my heart getting closer and closer and closer to this belief because I, I was conf confident in my belief about so many things in the Quran, you know, so many things that he told me, I was like, it makes sense. And I would go home and I don't really uh, relate this story often, but I'd go home and I'd pick up these little books I had that were about um, my former faith. And I would say, and I would try and, and I would do this. It was my desires doing this. I would go inside that book and I would look for places where I could disagree. Even though that, even though it wasn't true, I was basing this off of my desires. There was no factual evidence in this book for me to disagree. I was just saying to myself, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll use that to disagree with this brother. Not because I didn't believe in Islam, because by this point, I, I felt, I felt very close to Islam. I was just scared. I needed an excuse to not become Muslim. How can I become Muslim? I can't leave my family behind. You know, I can't, you know, risk having our, our relationship strained or damaged in the process. I can't do it. I've got to remain a Christian because it's all I've known. My mum's that that's that's who my mum brought me up to be. So I think it was 2013. One night we were out and um on the way home just before I left. Him and his friend really sort of, for the first time, I remember this being the first time in, like, throughout our friendship, we'd been friends at that point for four years. It's the first time he really got serious about the Dawah. You know, like, really got serious. He said, bro, like, we've been talking about this for years. Um, and I feel like it's really important that you actually do select the faith, bro, because, you know, like, you can die at any time, bro. And I'm not saying that to scare you, but that's the reality. We can die at any time. And... I want you to be Muslim. I, I know it's the truth, but I know that you also need to do your exploration for yourself and decide what, what you want to do. But it's important that you do this. And then he gave me some sort of background on Islam. His friend gave me some background on Islam and tried to, you know, give me basically get me to take Musha harder. But it didn't happen on that day. Mm. But he did, however, invite me to. Sorry, this is long winded. Bro. No, man, I'm, lo I'm loving every second, bro. Please keep going. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So he invited me to a um, an event with um, an esteemed scholar in the UK that obviously I didn't know at the time, but I knew I knew this was something important. He wanted me to be there, so I was like, "All right, cool. I'll come down. I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. You know, I'll see. I'll see what happens on the night. See how I feel, and we'll go from there." So I went to the talk, listened to it. It really did strike, you know, strike me. It was really, really, really impressive to me what was being said. I, I really agreed with a lot of the a lot of the speech. Um, and I, I, the reason I say a lot is because obviously you have to remember at the time I'm still on the edge. Yeah, I'm still not st still not entirely sure, right? 
But anyway, someone comes up to me after the show, and it's an imam from the um, the masjid, and he says to me, "I heard that you're interested in Islam." And I said to him, "I am, but I'm not sure, just sure about it entirely yet. I feel like I need to do a little bit more research and really understand what what it is." He said, "Bro, the research comes after." He said, "Brother, you take your shahada today, inshallah, and your your the research will come after. You learn about the religion after." And I was a little bit unsure, I'll be honest, I was a little bit unsure about this. So the way my shahada played out, and I've always said it's an interesting thing for me because it played out a bit differently to most people. Because I know a lot of people when they become Muslim, they'll cry or they'll have this really heart sharp moment where they, they realize in that moment on the day they take the shahada that everything's about to change and they've made the best decision of their life. For me, it didn't happen like that. I didn't realize that on the night I took my shahada because I was still a little bit hesitant I was still a little bit skeptical so I took my shahada and I felt good about it I felt blessed but I also still had those nagging feelings about my family what if I lose my mom what if I lose my brother so after the after the shahada the brothers took me to a um, restaurant a local restaurant and we sat in there for a few hours and they literally just gave me sort of advice and uh Dawah and, and just educated me as much as they could on the religion and I expressed to them how, how I felt about my family I said to them look you know like I do believe Islam is the truth I do but I don't know if I can do this because of my family I don't know you know I don't, I don't want to lose them and obviously they tried to give me advice and that and they were very sweet and nice about it but it wasn't until afterwards that my friend again the second time that he's being serious with me because normally like I said he's very relaxed very subtle but he was very strict with me on this night he said bro look he pulled me aside and he said look bro I love you you know that yeah you're, you're, my, you're my boy but if you're not serious about this bro then don't say you're a Muslim he said bro it's worse for you to be someone that just says he's a Muslim and doesn't believe it in his heart than it is for you to uh to, to be you know upon what you're upon already because at least if you're if you're upon that you can basically get the education and perhaps come become Muslim later on so I said to him bro I do believe this I just need some time went home and it was about a week it took a week and it took a week of discussions with family you know my cousins um some of the one of my cousins I was close with it took discussions with the brother in 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 mention for me How's to realize how did your family react? Uh, just to touch upon that real quick. Like when you went and had those discussions with your family, what was their reaction? So because initially it was only my cousin, my cousin was very supportive. She was very supportive. She was like, you know, if you believe it, then do it, you know. Um, and don't worry about your, your anxieties and your worries and your nerves because at the end of the day, it's new to you. This is alien. You, you don't know what you're getting into until you actually become a Muslim and you actually start living that lifestyle. And it was about a week after my reversion, uh, like taking the shahada rather, that I actually fully sort of cemented within my heart, within my mind, that I wanted to be a Muslim. And it was it was weird because it was like just one day I remember ringing up my boy and I say, bro, I said to him, bro, I want to be a, I want to be a Muslim. I know I do. I want to be a Muslim. I want to practice. I want to learn to pray. I want to do this. And he he was almost crying on the other end because he obviously had a lot of love for me in it. Um, and he was just really happy that I'd come to this realization. And it was then that I felt like I became Muslim. So it's weird because 
if people ask me when I took my Shahada, I could say it was on that day when I was in the masjid. But for me, it really felt like I took my Shahada a week later because that's when I really, you know, said the words with 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 legitimate faith. Mm. You know, my heart was in it. And then obviously to, to to get back to what you asked about my family after that, that's when I started to tell my family. Initially, it was my sister. Um, and weirdly enough, because obviously when you first become Muslim, you, you don't necessarily, for everybody, it's different in it. You know, for me, I didn't cut out everything straight away. You know, I didn't go cold turkey and everything and and, and just cut everybody off and cut everything yeah. out and stop listening to this and stop playing that and stop watching this. And, you know, like it was a, it was a process. So for me, I went to a concert one night with my sister um, years and years ago now, obviously it was on on that. It was on, on the same year I became Muslim. Um, and we spoke about the, shah- the Shahada. You know, I told her there and then I said to her, look, I've become Muslim. I think it's the best decision I've ever made in my life. I feel happier than I've ever felt before. I feel really ready to, you know, just embark on this journey and see where it takes me. And my sister was very supportive because at the time we had a really close, close knit relationship. You know what I'm saying? So she was very, very supportive, but I was still scared to tell my mom. I was still scared to tell my mom. And I think it's because my mom and I were very close and we still are to this day a hand in that. My brother and I are very close and we still are to this day a hand in that. So for me, it was like, all right, my sister is, is accepting it. She supported it. But what if, you know, my mom doesn't? What, 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 if, what if by chance those horror stories I've heard about families kicking their kids out and all that? What if, what if you know, that happens to me? And to be honest, I feel silly even having thought that way because my mom was has always been such a kind and caring person. You know, she's never, ever made me feel like I couldn't come to her with something and tell her how I'm feeling or tell her what's going on in my life. But the shaitan, he does things, right? The shaitan was whispering, the shaitan's trying to put me off the old leave. You can't tell them. And I remember a few months went by and my boy said, bro, like, you got to tell your mom now. You've been busting a few months now, bro. you got to tell your mom. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it tonight. So on that night, I pulled my mom aside. We went into the kitchen and I told her. And I said, so look, my mother, come Muslim. And, you know, this this is my life now. I'm going to be changing a lot of things. And I'm going to be a different person. And my mom... <laughs> sorry about that. My mom was very... um. My mum was very, very confused at the time because obviously this come as a shock to her, right? That like she didn't even know really and truly that my friend was giving me dawah. She knew he was Muslim, but she didn't know he was giving me dawah. She didn't know that I was learning about the deen. So for me to come out one day, you know, in 2013 and just be like, oh, you know, I'm Muslim now, was a, was a massive shock to her. And she admitted to me years later that she thought it was going to be a phase. You know, she she said to me, look, I thought it was going to be a phase. I thought you was going to go through it and you was going to come out the other side and be like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Because to be honest, I've had friends that have done that. And my, my mom knows those friends. You know what I mean? I've had friends that become Muslim for a cup of tea and then they've said, all right, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she realized quite quickly that, you know, this is serious. I'm serious about this. And she was supportive. Like, you know, to, to summarize, she was supportive. She never gave me any hassle. And I've said this story many times over the years. I've even written it on Facebook. It, it went sort of like semi-viral. I don't I wouldn't call it viral. It didn't get out millions of views, thousands, thousands of likes. But, you know, it did good. It did pretty good on Facebook. And it was basically regarding the fact that when I told my mum, literally, and this was literally like day, a, a day's turnaround. Like my, my friend said to me one day, you can't be eating haram food anymore. Because I said to him, I'm going to go McDonald's and grab some, grab a munch. 
He's like, bro, you can't do that, man. You can't eat halal food, bro. You can't eat that stuff anymore. I was like, huh? Like, what? I've got to change my diet. I'm going to start eating. I can't eat this food. I said, well, I'm going to tell my mum. He's like, bro, you got to figure something out. So I went home and obviously my mum, you know, she 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 was providing, the uh, you know, the food and, and, and our nutrients and whatever was going on in the household, you know. So I said to my mum, look, I don't eat this anymore, mum. I can't eat it. I can't eat none of it, man. It's, 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 it's forbidden for me. And my mum, instead of, you know, standing there and saying, what do you mean it's forbidden for you? I'm not, you're, what are you going to do? You eat it or you, or you just do what you want? You do your own thing. Nope. My mum, next day, went out, packed the fridge with halal food. No questions, nothing. Just went out, packed the fridge with halal food. And from that day forward, never stopped buying me halal food when I was living at Allah. Alhamdulillah. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Mail a preserver, bro. That's beautiful, man. I mean, bro. That's amazing, bro. That's a beautiful story, for real. That's uh, that, that's the heart of a mother, man. That's the heart of a mother. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. Trust your place. Nothing like it, bro. Nothing yeah. like it. Yeah, for real, for real. SubhanAllah. That's beautiful, man. You, I, I'm kind of like uh, taken <laughs> away by that story, bro. Like, my bad. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful story, for real. Um, thank you for sharing that with me, man. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing no that. Worries, with me. Honestly. Um, so, so tell me this, uh, to kind of just, I know, I love that we're like, we're diving so deep into the different facets of you, mashallah, but what, what sparked the idea for annotate? Why annotate? Yeah. So this is an interesting one that ever someone asked me it because, right. So I'll try and summarize this as best I can. So when I, sure. when I first started doing poetry, I was going by Liam Abdurrahim Spencer. That's why everybody knew me as that's that's kind of what they came to expect. But I felt as though because I was a Muslim, I was a new Muslim, a lot of people had certain expectations for me in terms of the content I put out that made me feel a bit stifled. It made me feel boxed in. I didn't really want to be known as a Muslim poet. And and when I say that, I don't mean as in like my identity as a Muslim, because obviously anyone that knows me and anyone will tell you that I will tell you I'm Muslim. I will perform stuff that is about Islam. Like, I'm not afraid to do that. You know, I'm confident in my faith. However, I didn't want that label attached to my poetry name. I didn't want it to be, you know, the Muslim poet. Everywhere I went, this is the Muslim spoken word artist. Because what it does is it boxes you in. It makes you feel like you can only write certain content. And look, I feel like I've noticed that. And this is not an insult, by the way. This is, and so I hope nobody takes that this way. No, I mean, it, it's kind of like in a business, you're picking your niche, right? Like, are you going to, are you simply going to target right. the Muslim audience? Or are you going to build a business where you're getting to a wider niche? And it's the same thing creatively, right? You have to make that decision. Exactly. Exactly, bro. And for me, it was like, I've seen a lot of these Nasheed artists, I've seen a lot of the spoken word artists that were doing that, that were more that Muslim poets. And for me, I didn't want to do that. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got a non-Muslim mom. I've got a non-Muslim sister. I've got non-Muslim family members. So for me, it was about okay, how can I combine the two? How can I how can I give dawah and nasiha? How can I talk about things that are you know Islamic but also universally appealing? You know what I'm saying? So for me, I decided one day, all right, if I go by Liam Abdul Rahim Spencer, people expect this from me. They they want to hear my story, and they want to hear Islamic content, right? I didn't want to do that anymore. So I sat down one day, I pulled out my, I pulled out a notebook and I started writing out name, name after name after name after name of what I could potentially be. And I came up with some really bad ones, to be honest with you. <laughs> some really bad ones. One of them, um, and I don't really tell people this much because it's so embarrassing, but one of them was um, Lars, right? And that was, that stood for Liam Abdul Rahim Spencer. And I was, 
My goodness, it's awful. It's awful. I can't believe I considered it. Another one was um, Sin See It. So Sin and See It. And I was just like, no, these are not good. They're all good. <laughs> if you go by any of these names, people are not going to like you. But the funny thing is, I actually did go by Lars for a very short period of time. It was very embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So then I was like, I don't know, should I just call myself SLB? You know, I've always been fond of, of sort of telling people that I'm close to my brother and sister, Sade, Liam, Brandon, simple, SLB, right? Mm. Didn't work. It, it didn't sound good to me. SLB poetry wasn't working. It wasn't conveying everything I wanted it to. And it didn't really encompass, uh, sorry, encompass all of mm. the content that I was creating. Mm. And one day I sat down and I thought to myself, what really, really, what, what gives people an idea of what my work is about you know what sort of explains to people or gives them an impression immediately right out the gate that this is the type of poetry they can expect to hear and i thought well my poetry is pretty deep you know whether you like it or not i'm going to be addressing themes that are deep and i'm going to be employing quite intricate wordplay where you're going to have to really think about what i'm saying to derive meaning i thought annotate that's what I used to do in school, right? I used to have to write annotations to break down poetry. I needed to understand this a bit clearer, so I had to write annotations. Mm. I was like, boom, that's the one. I'm going to call mm. myself Annotate. And at first, the reception wasn't entirely positive because some people sat there and were like, bro, you can't call yourself a uh, self a verb. You can't be a verb, bro. You can't be a noun, bro. You can't be calling yourself a chicken Annotate. I said, bro, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the walking... You know, I'm going to be the walking verb then because I'm going to turn that into a noun. By the, by the time people know me, they're going to know me as annotate and they're going to be cool with knowing me as annotate, even mm -hmm. if it is a verb. And, you know, obviously over time, I handle a lot of people come to love it. They've come to yeah. love it. And most people I speak to nowadays, they think it's a great name. You know, obviously there's probably still some naysayers that are like, ah, it doesn't work, I don't like it. But funnily enough, funnily enough, I wanted to be called Anecdote, if I'm honest with you. Really? I wanted, that was... That was my original choice before Annotate, but it was taken by an American rapper. And I was like, okay. I'm not going to copy him, so I'm going to go with Annotate. I actually so prefer Annotate. <laughs> I prefer Annotate. I think it's cool. It rolls easier off the tongue. I like it. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. But yeah, that's the story, man. So that's how I became Annotate. I'm awesome, man. So what would you say was like, uh, was a defining moment for you in, in regards to, you've been pursuing, you know, so many different avenues creatively. You mentioned you're a poet. You mentioned that you're also a director and you're also a writer and you want you want to do all of those things you're very much creative what would you say was like a defining moment for you in your career a moment where you felt like okay this is really like i'm in the right place right it was like an affirmation that you feel like you know i'm going down the right path and and things are starting to happen or doors are starting to open for me so i think i think the first sort of time i felt that way was with my with gratitude Mm -hmm. That was the first time I kind of felt like, okay, this is this is the right thing for me to do. But I think what really cemented it for me was when I became a flow poet. And what a flow poet is, is there's a singer and songwriter that's very well known called Natalie Stewart. She used to be known as uh, the Flowists. That was her stage name. And she uh, began this collective where she would select certain poets to come and perform as a part of this collective and be named flow poets under her. So basically like a sort of mentorship, if you will. And it was being selected by her as one of the poets that she believed was sort of among, you know, 
the sort of elite, if you will, you know, um, that really cemented for me that, okay, you know, this poetry thing is, uh, it, it's serious, man. And people are taking me seriously. You know, before that, I saw a little bit like there wasn't much for me to do. I didn't really know where to perform. I didn't really know where to go. And when I found this event and, you know, all the poets there, they loved my work and they thought sort of like this guy deserves to be among this connected. He deserves to be with us. He, that, that for me was, it was a beautiful moment. Um, you know, I know as, as time's going on, validation is something I don't really look for if I'm honest. But I think at that time, it meant a lot to me because I was still up and coming. I was still finding my feet. That was pretty much the first year, 2017, I believe this happened. It could have been 2018, one of the two. But that was when I first started really writing wordplay properly, you know, where I started exploring all of these deep sort of intricate lines and, and how I could weave these these concepts into my poetry in ways that would just be, you know, I don't know, just, just something that people would have to really, really think about. Mm. It was that year. So to have that validation at that time, it meant a lot to me because it felt like people were recognizing the growth. You know, like I've, I've gone from being someone that could barely rhyme words to someone that, okay, he can rhyme words, but he's never going to do anything like that. You know, mm. internal rhymes, multi-syllabics and, and flipping wordplay, you know, he's not doing none of that to someone that, you know, it's like a staple of my game now, you know, something I do all the time. So, yeah, that was a beautiful moment for me. And I think that's kind of where it really cemented me wanting to be involved in the poetry side of things. Um, you know, in terms of film, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker and still to this day, I do. So I think this, that discovery happened a lot earlier, you know what I mean, in my life. But for, for poetry, I'd say around 2018 is where I really realized, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. this is serious, man. This, I need to do this. Where is it that, that you want your, your, or actually a better question, sorry, would be, what is it that you feel like you're focusing on right now in 2023? We're just about to enter this new year. What is your main area of focus? So to be honest with you, bro, like... <laughs> It's interesting because I feel like I'll probably say poetry, but at the same time, I'm exploring other avenues. I'm trying to create content that, you know, can sort of dips into my film roots, you know, tell stories. And, you know, even, even when it's attached to poetry, there's this sort of desire to explore how I can bridge the gap between film and poetry. You know, I did it mm. once with Street Tales. Um, a number of years ago and I'm trying to do it again and hoping to release a video inshallah this year that does a similar thing so definitely want to sort of explore more film this year if I'm honest I, w I would like to maybe produce a short film or you know something of that nature but definitely always going to be trying to do as much as I can with the poetry I can't take my foot off the pedal with that because last year I managed to be on BT Sports. So for me, it's like this year, what can I do next? You know, what, what, what's next to annotate? And mm. I'm always wanted to sort of do something, you know, just, just level up, you know what I'm saying? So I want to do bigger and better. You know, I want to do more events this year. I want to do more commissions and I want to be on more stages. And, you know, that's one of the, I think one of the biggest things I want to do is go out and perform in America. So that's the name of mine. So inshallah, I would love to hopefully achieve that one day. Um, so yeah, man, 
just inshallah get moving man i think it's just all about writing really and truly bro because i just love writing i just love in all facets i love writing so whether it's storytelling poetry film whatever it is i love writing so i think if you if i had to sort of summarize it i'd say writing is my focus my focus mm-hmm. when you uh when you went up on stage at uh, the bt sport event one thing that you mentioned is that you wanted to initially write about Muhammad Ali, but then you decided that you will write as if you were him. Tell me about that. What made you change your mind? And, you know, ultimately, how did you feel up on that stage when you delivered that poem or that speech? So I think I knew everybody on the line was going to be doing a biogra- uh, biographical sorry, piece of poetry about a sporting figure of the past and, and and this is a beautiful thing you know i knew everybody that performed on the night was going to be absolutely incredible and i sat down one night and i thought to myself how can i make this different how can i make my piece of poetry stand out amongst the, these incredibly talented individuals that i think are some of the best poets um to, to grace the stage how can i make my stuff stand out how can i separate it from what whatever else is going to be said on the night and I thought, I've got Muhammad Ali, you know, I'm I'm kind of in an, I've, I'm in an advantage position here, you know, I applied as Muhammad Ali, you know, I said to them, look, I want to write as Muhammad Ali. They said, yeah, we want you to do that. You know, whereas some of the other poets on the night didn't necessarily get that the poet they applied as. They got, so sorry, the uh, sporting thinker that they applied as, they got back mm-hmm. to someone else. So for me, that was already a tremendous blessing, you know. They said mm-hmm. to me, they like my piece, I've applied with a Muhammad Ali piece, they've accepted it, and it's a Muslim. You know, this is a Muslim influential figure of the past that yeah. was instrumental in doing so many wonderful things for, for our religion and, and bringing so many people to, you know, the, to the deen and educating people about the deen. So I said to myself, I want to I embody Muhammad Ali. Rather than just writing about him, I'm going to embody Muhammad Ali. My style allows for it, the way I write. It, I feel like I can weave together what he said in the past with what, what I would say, you know, I just mesh the two and turn it into something that hopefully blows people away. And uh, alhamdulillah, from there, I started writing. And when I sent it back into the uh, producers, they loved it. They they were really impressed by it. Um, and then, obviously, they invited me to be a part of the final process. Said to me, look, we're going to have you on last. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's an honor, you know, like I was that. Uh, damn that's 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 sick you know it's my first yeah. performance on a, a major tv station you know a tv channel like beating sport and to have the opportunity to be on their first ever spoken word show and to be the last poet the headlining poet that's a massive deal and that's something i will always feel absolutely blessed to have on my cv and be able to tell people for sure and nah. the, the perform that this the performance itself Next level, nothing like it. You know, I, I've done a lot of performing over the years and nothing I've done compares to it. It was mind-blowingly good, you know, for lack of a better description. Right. It was amazing, you know. It, it was something that just made... I felt like on that night, it was sort of... You know, it kind of made me feel like all the hard work I've put in over the years, all the suffering, all the struggling, because to be honest, poetry is not easy, you know. Some people make it out like it's an easy field to get into, you know. You just pick up a pen, you write some rhyming words and that's that. But it's it's not like that. There's politics involved. 
there's favoritism involved. There's all sorts of things that kind of impact the way you succeed or don't succeed in the scene. So for me, it was like I've gotten to this point now where I performed here only because of my talent. You know, mm-hmm. there was there's there's no such thing as them choosing me for a political reason. There was no favoritism. They chose me because they believed I was talented enough to be mm-hmm. among those performing on this night. And yeah. for me, that was yeah, yeah. It's a highlight of my poetry career so far. And um yeah, I'm, I just feel blessed. Uh, Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah. That's that's an amazing win, bro. Like honestly, it it was really amazing to see for myself as well, and I absolutely really enjoyed it. And we have that you shared it so that we can see it on your Instagram. So uh, a little quick shout out there as well. If you guys aren't following yet, annotate on Instagram. Go and check it out, guys. Uh, can you share your Instagram handle so people can go ahead and follow you? Definitely. So it's annotate, A-N-N-O-T-A-T-E underscore. You find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me as annotate on YouTube. Got a bunch of content on there. And hopefully, inshallah, this year, as I alluded to earlier, Ron, I'll have more content coming for you all so please do check it out and stay tuned there's things coming inshallah there's things in the pipeline man and i'm excited about them so hopefully you'll be excited too inshallah inshallah 100 brother definitely we will be there's there's one question that i'd like to wrap up this episode with and i think it's probably the best way to wrap up is you're someone who i can tell is very much focused on actively pursuing their passions and for a lot of people they have a passion themselves whether it's in writing whether it's in uh, in in art in any form of artistry or creativity or even if it could be in business it could be an entrepreneurship it could be any type of hobby but they usually put their passions aside and they focus only on okay well what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on you know bringing in the bread making sure that my family's taken care of and while that's important a lot of people unfortunately I feel like when they when they let their passions die their inner flame dies with it right and and kind of like that fire that they have within them dies with it how can for you someone who very actively pursues his passion and you know continues to work on it to this day what kind of advice would you give to someone who might be struggling to keep in touch with theirs and feels like life is just kind of getting in the way and you know all the responsibilities that we have are kind of piling on it's being it's getting hard to stay connected to what we truly enjoy and what we truly love to do i would say don't let it become an excuse to give up on what you're passionate about and i know that sounds like an oversimplification to a degree but i say that because i did that when i first became muslim i did that with film and i regretted it you know um <laughs> regret's a strong word i i don't i don't know if i regretted it but it, it definitely affected my mindset later on in life you know because i was doing it for the right reason because i wanted to focus on islam first and foremost but it also then meant that I sacrificed a big part of who I was. And film has always been something I'm extremely passionate about. And because of sort of putting that massive gap in that time frame between having been a part of, you know, I was doing inter- I was doing an internship at the time, I uh, just before I became Muslim, you know, things were looking up for me in terms of film. And I let it all go. Do you know what I mean? Because I thought maybe it's not right. Maybe I'm not allowed to do this. Um, and it definitely impacted me later on in life. And in retrospect, if I could change that, I would have definitely continued pursuing film because it's now been a lot harder over time for me to sort of go back to it where I was. I've, I've not been in that position again where I've, you know, had my foot halfway in the door 
you know what I'm saying? At that time, I had my foot in the door. You know, mm -hmm. things were looking up. I could have maybe advanced my position, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, now it's been a lot harder. It's been a it's been a more arduous climb getting back there because I'm still trying. As I said to you before, I still love films, so I still want to do things. But it's a it's a lot more independent now. You know, there's there's less yeah. support, and it's about trying to find that support and and that backing. And you know, alhamdulillah, over the years, I've been blessed to be able to do that with my poetry. Um, and you know, so I I would hope that I'll be able to do that with film as well, inshallah. Inshallah. But, I definitely would say to people, don't allow these things to sort of make you forget what you're passionate about. You know, at the end of the day, responsibilities are always going to sort of have an impact on how we approach things. You know, I, I'm, I'm a father now, so I have to factor in the fact that I've, I've got a child. You know, I can't do the things I might have been able to do before that, you know, or before I was married where, where I could have a bit more free time and that. So I have to do it around that. But I tell myself I've got to do something every day. You know, I've got to do something every day, you know, uh, even if it's little, you know, even if it's just, you know, a couple of sentences or, or bars, whatever you want to call them, if it's poetry, or even if it's just a paragraph or whatever, you know, film-based stuff or story-based stuff I'm working on, just something every day because that way you can keep the passion alight. You know, mm -hmm. you keep that flavor alight. Um, and it and and the flame won't completely go out. You know what I'm saying? Whereas if you're yeah. leaving it alone, it's gonna go out. And not only that, you you run the risk of not being able to achieve what you want to achieve. Especially if like like I said, where you sort of realize down the line that oh, okay, I, I actually do want to do this. And then by that time, it might be like oh, okay, but it's gonna be a lot harder now. Um. So yeah, just keep pursuing it, even if it's in limited quantities. Keep doing something you know keep that passion alive somehow even through everything you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis 100 percent. no thank you for sharing that and i i think a lot of people need to hear that sometimes and even if they can't uh, do it every day if you can at least do it once a week if you can take some time you know and, and you have to make the time that's the thing is people don't realize is you know we have priorities in life and we 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 essentially are able to do what we make time for right and you have to make time for the things that bring you that energy, that bring you that love and joy that you, where you can fill your cup so that you can continue to operate at your best outside of that, right? Whether it's with your kids, with your spouse, with the other things that you do, when you take the time to fill your own cup, you're able to be a better person in general and show up more powerfully for others in your life. Uh, so it's a very important thing. Jazakallah um, khair, honestly, for this conversation. It was an absolute pleasure to have you, man. I, I really, really enjoyed it on a personal level. And um, again, you share with us your Instagram, annotate underscore. So we'll make sure to share on the, in the episode notes as well as your social media handles. Is there anywhere that we should refer someone if they want to work with you, if they want to, you know, message you for some type of potential booking? Yes. Uh, yes. Please do email me at annotatebookings at gmail.com. So that's A double N O T A T G bookings at gmail.com. Holler at me with any commissions or any booking that you would let us or place me for and yeah i'll hit you back sounds Shout good luck. thank you so much brother i really appreciate your time and thank you for bringing me for joining me on this podcast it was a pleasure having you appreciate it i'm good now my brother it was a pleasure for me to jazakallah well yeah come salam alaikum wa rahmatullah wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh